We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. How are you, my friends? And welcome back to another audio adventure here on Insight. I'm Chris Van Vliet, and thank you so much for joining us. Actually, thank you so much for joining us each and every episode. And if this happens to be your first time here, make sure to hit subscribe or follow so you don't miss out on any future episodes. And man, what an episode we have for you today. After the premiere of season three, of Dark Side of the Ring last night, it only seems fitting to talk to the brilliant minds behind the show, the co-creators Evan Husney and Jason Eisner. And if you're listening to this right now, I'm guessing you've seen at least one episode of the show. Or if you're like a lot of fans, you've probably binged every episode of the show. So I don't have to tell you how fantastic this show is. But if by some chance you haven't watched an episode of Dark Side of the Ring yet, do it immediately. Go on YouTube and watch literally any episode from any season. It is phenomenal storytelling. Oh, it's so good. Take a screenshot. Let us know that you're listening to this one. If you want, tag us on social media. I'm at Chris Van Vliet. Evan is at Evan Husney, H-U-S-N-E-Y. Jason is at Jason Eisener. That's E-I-S-E-N-E-R. Also tag Dark Side of the Ring. Why not? JC Doe08 left this review on Apple Podcasts that says, CVV, you're the best. Hey, CVV, hope you're having a good one. Well, I am having a good one. I hope that you are as well. Your show really helps me get through the day with your awesome interviews. I work as a delivery driver, and your show really helps the day go by so much quicker with your interesting conversations. Hope you reach your goals by your birthday. Mine is on May 22nd. Keep up the awesome work. You're the best. No, you, sir. You, sir, are the best. And happy early birthday to you. Yeah, as you mentioned, I have a goal. May 19th is my birthday, and the goal was 2,000 reviews, is 2,000 reviews before my birthday, May 19th. 
So I'm going to keep reading one review on every single episode. We're getting so close to 2,000 reviews. So thank you to each and every one of you for leaving a review and helping to put insight at the top of the charts as one of the top podcasts in the world. So thank you so much. And I'm not saying that the other podcast platforms aren't good. Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcasts, I super appreciate you. But Apple Podcasts is the only place that has reviews, and those reviews help you climb the charts. So that's why we've been reading these reviews. So wherever you listen, just know that you rock. And these guys rock. Man, what an incredible conversation about an incredible show. Please welcome the co-creators of Dark Side of the Ring, Evan Husney and Jason Eisner. What a Vader time had, Evan. This is amazing. <laughs> oh, thanks, man. This is, this is some real... Some Guys, real... thank you. Uh, and congratulations. Yeah. Season three. I mean... There's not a lot of new ideas in the world of wrestling, and somehow you guys have figured this out. So congratulations <laughs> to you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Can you take me inside what the pitch meeting was like when you were pitching this show to Vice? <laughs> oh, man. It was, uh, it was actually a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. It was one of those pitch meetings where everything kind of was clicking and and everyone was having fun in terms of you know looking back at wrestling and 80s wrestling and like i i actually remember that like it went so well i was like i could have just elbow dropped you know the table and went right through it and it would have totally fit the tone of the pitch meeting um no it was great like i think everyone was really excited about it and saw that whoa this is like a world like you know that that there that there's a lot that needs to or can be explored and it sort of felt like um because it was like right around the time like Tales from the Tour Bus had come out, you know, that show that that uh, Mike Judge does about or he, you know, that he had done about the road life of the country music stars, you know, and this kind of wild sex, drugs and rock and roll lifestyle, you know, of that back in the 60s and 70s. And so, you know, this is like that, but wrestling and it's like, you know, it's got the territory side, it's got the kayfabe side, it's got all this stuff. And so I think that it just really, you know, seemed to click. That being said, it's still a process to get a budget approved and get the money and get the off to the races. So, you know, it took it took some hurdles to 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 get it to that point eventually. But the original pitch meeting was 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 a lot of fun. Because Jason, and I'm sure you can agree with this, when TV execs hear wrestling, they go, Oh, I don't know. I don't know about that. So how do you <laughs> sell them on this? Well, it's funny you say that because originally Evan and I years ago. Before we made Dark Side of the Ring, we wanted to make like a narrative scripted series of darks of the wrestling, like basically the wrestling territory days, you know. And um, we like we we went to Hollywood with like a pitch that was like you know it's kind of like the Sopranos of like the wrestling world, and that just went over every like studio exec's head. Like every time we mentioned wrestling, it just like they just toned out of it so we thought man like we've done all this research and have all this energy and we really want to like <laughs> tell wrestling stories in a cinematic way and then we applied it to this idea of dark side of the ring and this is you know we get to tell this these stories you know in a documentary format and then you know maybe someday we'll get to take some of them to this uh the big screen yeah jason for anybody who's watching on youtube right now what video game is this behind you 
Oh, that's my uh, it's my Street Fighter uh, two cabinet. Uh, oh, yeah, not as cool. Street Fighter two, not as cool as my Street Fighter cabinet that oh, I have over here. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> oh, this yeah. is amazing. Yeah, which I actually I actually have WrestleFest in there right now, but it is originally a Street Fighter cabinet. So. Yeah, very nice. Yeah. yeah, when Evan and I were like touring on the road, like making the show, we would yeah. stop off at every arcade we could and just challenge each other at Street Fighter and like. <laughs> That was kind of our way to like unwind. <laughs> All right, Evan, oh, who's, yeah. the go who's the go-to Street Fighter character for you? Uh, Belrog, 100%. Uh, okay, boxer. Jason? Yeah. Mine's Ken. Okay, mine's yeah. Chun-Li yeah. because I can cheap with the kick. <laughs> she's very good. She's she one is, of the top characters in <laughs> most Street Fighter games. Yeah. 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 What were you guys best known for doing before Dark Side of the Ring hit? <laughs> Jason, go. You got to go I, on that one. I guess I, I made a movie. My first feature film was called uh, Hobo with a Shotgun, which was like this crazy genre action movie starring Rugger Hauer. Um, and yeah, that's probably what I was most known for before. So filmmaking, Dark basically. Yeah, yeah. Made it, worked on a bunch of films. I worked. On a, I made a couple of anthologies. I worked with Jay Barishall on making Goon Two, and uh, I worked with Adam Wingard on the the Netflix Death Note movie. Um, and you know currently still we're still developing evan and i have been developing movie projects for a couple of years that we're hoping to do some couple of years you all many many years decades <laughs> now yeah um <laughs> uh yeah and then for me uh i kind of bounced around a lot in the film industry uh when jason and i met which is probably like 11 or 12 years ago now i was actually in film distribution so uh i i went to i worked at a lot of different companies like re-releasing cult movies like more or less so if you've heard of this crazy movie called Birdemic, you know, I found that movie or a movie called Miami Connection. I also had a hand in finding that and re-releasing it. So like a lot of older, weirder, uh, bizarro movies that I've unearthed. And then uh, from there, I actually went, uh, I worked for the Alamo Drafthouse uh, for Drafthouse Films. I started that, a film distribution company, and we released a couple of really uh, awesome movies. Um, and then uh, from there, I found myself advice and then... Um, starting advice, I started producing documentaries, little, do, you know, documentary projects for the YouTube channel there Advice, and then wanted to do something with wrestling so bad because that was such a huge part of my childhood. And I know it was for Jason, too. So we just tried to dream up. We had this opportunity, like, you know, we could make stuff advice. Let, let's do something with wrestling. But it took a while until it was like something that until the TV channel, Vice's TV channel really started where there, you know, there would be the budget to do something like a wrestling show of some kind. So that's kind of how it all came together, too. Well, what I think is so fascinating about Dark Side of the Ring is a lot of these stories have been told before, like the Montreal Screwjob, for example. It's been told before, or you know what happened with Chris Benoit. But the way that you guys have done it, it's like you've unearthed new information. Like, how is this even possible? Well, I, I you know, like when, the, like specifically with the Montreal Screwjob one, it was like, you know, back in the beginning of this show, we didn't have the name Dark Side of the Ring. We just knew it was going to be this kind of like, you know, wrestling doc series that we wanted to cover all the controversies, all the big stories. But we really wanted to turn on broader audiences to this world and to bring them into the fold, have them be just as riveted and, and excited about these stories as we are. Um, and at the time, we were like, well, the Montreal Screwjob is such a great entry point for a non-wrestling fan to like get into to understand the inner workings of the company yeah. understand kayfabe the championship the backstage politics all that stuff um 
But also it came from like Jason and I just really wanting to see um, wrestling, like wrestling covered, you know, because most of the times you're watching shoot interviews on YouTube up until that point, And it's all like, you know, some guy with a <laughs> with like a, a, a high eight camera, you know, at a Radisson hotel room, which is cool. I still can get down with that, you know, for sure. But it's like, it'd be cool if you took this, like, because all the interviews are incredible. Those, those, you know, the wrestlers are incredible storytellers, right? So if you could take that and just elevate it. And so we brought a lot of our documentary film influences and just combine that with wrestling. Like, what if Errol Morris, you know, who did Thin Blue Line and The Fog of War, like, what if he like covered wrestling, you know? And that was kind of like, like the dream at the time was like, let's just take it and elevate it to as much as possible. Not only are the reenactments like incredibly well done, but you find people that look exactly like like it like exactly like the wrestlers. How do you do this? Well, um, we shoot the show in Toronto, and we're, there's luckily like a few um, like independent wrestling like crews there, and so we reach out to them and we work, you know, closely with them and their rosters, um, and then. It's also, you know, just kind of searching on like Instagram, like Toronto gyms and like, yeah, you know, really like we're Seriously. trying to just match like the silhouette, you know, because the effect of shooting all in slow motion and kind of the noir vibe of it where everyone's like backlit and in wrestling, like, you know, once you just see like a character like Hulk Hogan or like Macho Man Randy Savage or The Undertaker, you know, these these characters, like you, if you just saw the outline of them and the silhouette, you know who they are. So, yeah, you know, it's it's funny. Like it looks cool with the slow motion, the out of focus, but like we're cheating a lot. And if you were to like oh. flick on the lights of the studio, it would just look really. We'd weird. be laughed out of the. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so yeah. I'm sure a lot of it's done with great lighting and costuming and wigs. But if we did turn on the lights in the studio, who would look the most like the person they're trying to look like? And who would you be like, oh, my God, that's not, not even close. Man. Oh. Well, I mean, I, I think the one that comes to mind for me is uh, from season one with, you know, Macho Man Randy Savage, which, yeah. you know, for which was kind of scary, actually, how much when when he had all the gimmick on and he's got all the all the stuff on. And it was like, wow, I actually remember showing that footage when we filmed it to 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 Bruce Pritchard and like, just check out this Randy guy. And he's like, oh, my God, that's terrifying. That is Randy. And wow. it was really when we were at when we were at WrestleMania. Uh, I, can't, I can't remember which one it was. One in one the last one in New Orleans. We were there and yeah. you went up, right, Jason, to get yeah, like a I drink. Was like, I went. I think I went to the bathroom or something. And then I came back out and through like the sea of people. I see this guy. It looks just like Randy. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, it's like literally like. <laughs> the ghosts of Randy, like walk in the halls here and everyone's trying to get a picture with him. And it's a cosplaying. Like, yeah, right? it was cosplaying. I yeah. saw that. I was at that WrestleMania. I saw that. Yeah. His name is Brandon Savage. You can find him on Instagram. And then yeah. that's how we found him. Like I went up to him and I, I took my phone and I flipped it into slow motion and I put it in some lady's hand and then, and we did this shot with me and him. <laughs> and I just wanted to see it with the effect of the slow motion. And I ran it out to Evan out into the into the stadium. And I was like, dude, I found him. Like, I've got our, like, Randy. And then we yeah. just found him on Instagram and then, you know, brought him to Toronto. And that was in the beginning, too, when we, like, kind of didn't really have everything figured out, you know, of, like, how we were going to pull all this off. Like, we wanted to do that Randy story, the Randy and, the Randy and Miss Elizabeth story. We really wanted to do it. But it was kind of like, man, that means, you know, we'd already done the, the Bruiser Brody pilot at that time. But it was like, man, we're going to have to find somebody to play Randy, and that's going to be really hard. And then just all of a sudden, this gift from the wrestling gods... <laughs> 
emerges and it was even better because his wife who was so cool she she did made all remade all those costumes so he came with all the costumes mm -hmm. so wow. it was like a perfect uh, deal yeah it was great all right so on the flip side of it who who is it that you oh, can, oh, <laughs> oh. there's been a couple close one close calls uh i think at the last uh second where you're like I'm i'll just put a rick flair wig on we'll figure this out there's been times where like we've had to uh <laughs> like alter like get chin like add chin pieces onto people or add nose pieces onto people just because it's like you know it's really hard to find like that particular very unique face there's been times where we've had to throw ourselves in there because someone hasn't shown up oh know, that's right <laughs> where would we find jason or evan in a reenactment a lot of places, you can, you can lot of places. Me, i played mick foley in the herb, Abrams herb Abrams, episode. Yeah. i could yeah. see that okay yep and Evan, you played Rick Mercer in the Gino Hernandez. Episode. Well, I played Jimmy. I played Jimmy Hart. Let's Jimmy not Hart just breeze over okay. that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I don't look anything like Jimmy Hart. So that is probably the best example because when he, when Jason, you told me, you know, we're casting you as Jimmy Hart. I had no choice in the matter, um, and it was basically like, all right, we'll see how that works. And then, and then they, it's like, it's 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 really interesting. I could send you a photo of it, but it's like they they when they put the wig on and they kind of drew all of the facial hair on me and then obviously you have the sunglasses and your suit and they made the that amazing uh you know because it was when he was managing dino bravo and there was yeah. all that you know fleur-de-lis on the on the on the suit and everything once you gimmick it all up i mean you really can it just goes to show how iconic wrestlers were in in that time period that you know, like it's just it's amazing how iconic it is. Now it's like if we're like, okay, we need a Randy Orton, like you gotta get really specific. Yeah. You yeah. know, because it's about the shape of the guy and then this. Yeah. But back yeah. then those those costumes are just they read as Yeah. You know, so yeah, if you bring in a guy who's not a wrestler, he's just a bodybuilder, you found him at a local gym and you tell him, All right, you gotta jump off the middle rope or you gotta how do you describe <laughs> a wrestling move to him? Um, that's we don't nest we don't throw them really deep into the the ring although like we had um this guy who just played johnny canine for one of our upcoming episodes and he had never wrestled before and um he was like a, a strong man in montreal and he's huge incredible and, but i wanted to just get a, you know some shots of him in the ring and, <clears throat> and uh, i wanted to get him just like body slamming somebody and so luckily we had like other wrestlers there that could like walk him through it and this wrestler literally just like <laughs> ran into his arms and performed a body slam without the guy even like doing anything but when i when you saw the look like i wouldn't have like, known that like when you see the look of this guy's face like when he did it for the first time in the ring like he just lost his mind i think like i wouldn't be surprised if he's home right now trying to figure out if he can get like a wrestling career going <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> And I was, forgive me if I'm misremembering, but was Remo, who played Animal, was he a wrestler? He wasn't, no. He wasn't. No, okay. That's no. what I thought. So when we got the, we did the Road Warriors last season, uh, you know, Rob Rage, this guy in Toronto, played played Hawk. And then we had it, Remo, he's just, he's an actor, right? Yeah. Or, or, yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 And 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 then we we put them together, and so you know, like Hawk had to show Animal how to do, you know, because we wanted some clotheslines and you know some yeah. certain things. So so you know, but you have to be very careful because obviously you know they're not trained, but you know yeah. the wrestlers can help them through uh, yeah. getting it through there. But it is a lot of fun, and and you know, there's been many times where we've jumped in there and you know done stupid stuff to each other for sure. <laughs> yeah.
<laughs> wrestling is all about the connections that you make. So I'm really curious to know who helped you guys out the most in connecting you Ooh. with everybody you needed. Man, it's, really good question. So many people, you know, from the very beginning, it's like when we did the Bruiser Brody episode as our our pilot, um, having like Dutch Mantel, like he was you know, an incredible, um, resource and just help. He helped so much with that episode and other episodes in the season. And he narrated the first season for us. Uh, but Barbara Goodish, we have so much, uh, Bruiser Brody's wife, um, Barbara Goodish. We have to thank her so much because really like when we wanted to tell that story, like the very first episode, like we knew we had to have Barbara, uh, on board for it. And so she was like, kind of like the first to like, you know, be the, the, the first one to kind of check us out and um, kind of, uh, you know, and, and trust us. And then from there, like, people have so much respect for Bruiser Brody and for Barbara in the business mm -hmm. today that, yep. like, you know, there were, we would contact wrestlers and they would be on the fence and then they'd call Barbara and Barbara <laughs> yeah. would be, give her okay and then they would tell us it's cool you know and that happened a lot uh, in the in the beginning stages of making the show like Barbara really you know vetted for us and uh, cool. we, we owe her so much totally and, and even in season 2 like i mean yeah. we had to call Barbara a few times it, it huh. was like i remember you know Dr. D David Schultz you know uh, yeah. uh now uh, you know a good friend of the show but at the time was very who are these guys that want to come out to my house and tell my story and you know who are these other guys i'm gonna have to slap you know uh but no no he uh <laughs> he, uh you know he got some he got cold feet at one point but the respect that he has for brody and there's and especially barbara i mean that runs so deep you know because those guys are you know they're all from that generation like the generation almost you know one generation ahead removed of the wwf kind of era you know so um so that was just, you know, again, she came to the rescue and made it all happen. And yeah, she's just, she's kind of the, she's just the best. Yeah. And obviously, you know, and, and there's been others along the way. I mean, Jim Ross, I think about is a guy who has helped us, you know, um, you know, in terms of like, you know, Steve Austin coming on board for, you know, season three and, you know, so there, 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 there's a lot, there's a lot of folks in the, in the, in the business who, um, I mean, I think the Martha Hart, you know, Owen Hart episode is has been a huge calling card too. just her being on that show is, is helped us a lot in a lot of ways. So there's just been tons, tons of folks. What's also us. the fact that you can say this is on vice, which is a, you know, something people have actually heard of. If you say, Hey, we're making this documentary project for my YouTube channel. They kind of go, huh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. At least now there's the other, our first episodes, you know, even when we had the, the pilot, the Bruiser Brody pilot, um, that became, so helpful for us too. Like we, we, we met Chavo Guerrero by, you know, like gained his trust by showing him that episode. And, and, uh, he saw how we, you know, told Brody's story and, uh, he thought that we, you know, we're good storytellers and people that he wanted to connect with to, mm -hmm. to help tell the Crispin Benoit story. So yeah, the Brody, the Brody, it's, it's amazing that we started off with Bruiser Brody because it really, there's so many times along the way making this show, this show that it always comes back to him. And, mm -hmm. you know, I don't know. There's, he's, uh, he's a spirit animal of the show for he sure. He really is. Yeah. <clears throat> really yeah. Is. I feel like yeah. there's an endless amount of possibilities in the world of wrestling. Like, you know, congratulations again. This is season number three, but I feel like you could make 33 seasons with the amount of <laughs> stories that are out there. Do you guys have like a, 
you don't have to name what the episodes are, but do you have a list, an ongoing list of like, oh, this could work, this could work? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we've sort of kept the list, uh, you know, over the seasons, like the various years that we've done uh, new seasons. And we always ask, you know, viewers what they want to see. And uh, all, I mean, we we have to credit our, our viewers, too. They've they've definitely, you know, shown with enthusiasm the ones that they really want to see. And that's definitely forced us or motivated us to try and make those episodes happen. Um, also, there's just a ton that, you know, for like personal reasons, we want to get in there. There's definitely a few uh, in this season. I think Road Warriors was one that was personal that we wanted to get in for season two. Um, and I think season three, there's definitely a few that are just like, okay, like, you know, like I know for me personally, over the lockdown last year, like my wrestling viewing was strictly FMW. And I was blown away by FMW and it's like discovering something that I'd always kind of passed over. And so I was like, okay, we're doing an FMW show this, this season, you know? So like that happens, but for the most part, it's also like we have tons of different ideas for episodes and we just, we all kind of like, you know, us and members of our team, we kind of get together, hash it out and try and find those elements that will transcend kind of the wrestling bubble and will hook an audience outside of it. Like here's, Here's a human story that anyone can connect with. And I think wrestling is such a like oddly perfect setting for a lot of these stories because um, it, it wrestling winds up being because it has this kind of like blurred lines aspect or this like fourth wall aspect. Wrestling always kind of becomes this uh, Petri dish or, you know, microcosm of society in so many different ways. And it's a really interesting vehicle to examine like politics or, you know, or, uh, you know, just human dynamics or entertainment or anything through that lens. And that's what we try to do is we always just try and look at what stories fit that, like, what can we look at through the lens of wrestling, you know, and, um, and, and that kind of helps us weed out the other stories, because some, some just don't fit that bill, or there isn't that really strong human connection, or that firsthand information, or that one interview subject that can really help that yeah um but yeah that, that that's kind of a little bit of the process and then we just kind of as soon as we get one we just we're off and we're making it as quickly as possible well wrestling yeah. is so niche and wrestling fandom is also so niche you right. guys have found a way to broaden this out maybe i mean true crime is really hot right now and you guys yeah. have somehow mm -hmm. like melded true crime and wrestling together to make this appeal to a broader audience, it doesn't have to be someone who's just a wrestling fan right now. If they were even familiar with wrestling growing up, they can watch this and appreciate it and enjoy it. That's exactly like what we were thinking about in the beginning. Like in the very beginning, it was like, you know, I think back in 2016 or whatever, true crime was really hot in terms of these documentary series. HBO's The Jinx comes to mind. A couple other like things were really popping off at that point. But what I think Jason and I responded to the most was just the like, if you could take the storytelling chops of the best of true crime, and in particular, we always reference this one movie, The Thin Blue Line from the 80s. It's a documentary by Earl Morris that is kind of the masterclass of, of like true crime. It actually set the bar in many ways for yeah. what, you know, true crime documentary should be. Um, and it's just like everything in that film is cinematically perfect. Like the interviews are 
perfectly. They look perfect. All the reenactments. If you go back and watch the reenactments, you'll see exactly what we <laughs> stole from, you know, borrowed from, um, you know, and changed a little bit. But I mean, that's what really influenced us. And then, of course, just the effect that the music had on that. Uh, the, like the music, is, I think, is such a secret ingredient of our show in terms of the success of the storytelling is just that the music just pulls you in. And like the music of that film, too, in particular, is such a it has almost a hypnotic quality that draws you in. And so for us, it was like, we knew these rest these stories in the wrestling world are so captivating because they're so unlike anything in sports or entertainment. So if we could just take the best tools of true crime documentary filmmaking and put that into the wrestling thing, those two, that mixture would work. Yeah. I feel like people would be like, oh, wow. Okay, I get it. Yeah, yeah. And people in the wrestling world are so entertaining and such incredible storytellers which right you know probably comes from hours on the road of just telling stories and you know passing stories down so when we were up we were obsessed with like shoot interviews just like you know those old shoot interviews that looked like they were just shot on a shitty video yeah. camera and a you know a ramada somewhere and we just always thought like man if you could just get like a decent lens in front of them and some lighting yeah. that the stories would just reach through you know and also like let's have them talk like directly to camera because that's what they they all tr were trained to do when they were like cutting promos and stuff so we <laughs> have that to use too you know that like that we can use that ability and have them literally like you know reach through to the audience that you know that was yeah it's like yeah like jake the snake robbers like looking at you and yeah, telling you that story yeah. is gonna be captivating for sure yeah how much did covid help or hurt you guys filming uh, well, it was, uh, it, well, going back a little bit when, you know, COVID broke out in a big way, obviously, you know, when the lo first lockdowns happened during the, during the filming of season two still, which is kind of hard to wrap your head around, but it was, uh, in March, obviously we were filming the last few scenes of the, of our reenactments for season two. Yeah. Um, I think this. I think it, it was, was right for the around Owen Hart the episode. Yes. Yeah. 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 That's right. Like we were shooting on studio, and we were getting word that you know this was happening, and then the next, like our last yeah. day, we finished, and then right after, Toronto completely like shut down. You know, and but we still had to go to work, go to the office, and you know finish the episode. So it was a really weird experience. Like Evan and I are just walking downtown Toronto to work with like no one. <laughs> around yeah. and it's just like us in the studio with like a couple editors and that was really weird and then eventually it, it shut down to the point where they just had to give me we had to close the studio and they gave me like a giant hard drive and i <laughs> flew back to nova scotia here and just was finishing the episodes like remotely from the, lock, the lockdown remotely from here and that was kind of the start of trying to figure out how do we fin do make the show yeah like during this and then there will be we released the show which was weird too because there was no like like we were going to have a premiere and everything oh yeah that's right a big premiere yeah. you know and uh that got yeah. shut down like days before so you know thankfully like uh like people watched it you know and i think kind of like I, we hear a lot that people thanked us so much for creating content that people could watch during the you know the lockdown and um that was really cool so and, and, you know i felt bad that we didn't get to like you know celebrate all this like hard work but then like seeing that people were like so appreciative of That's us true. doing it and then yeah. making season they asked us like all right season three and it's like whoa like you know this stuff's not over like how do we yeah, yeah. How do we do this but 
yeah. we, you know, we started figuring out like, you know, studying all the COVID protocols. And then we got an RV that like Evan and uh, a couple camera operators tr- crisscross America a few several times. times. Yeah, several times. Of, instead of flying, you know. And so I, the worst thing about it is Evan and I normally are like living together and producing the show together, like nonstop. But we've had to like separate, like he's handling you know, American side and I'm doing the stuff in, in Canada. Yeah. And so, but we, we do this like every day and yeah. with our team and jam it out like every, every single day. Yeah. It was, it was daunting. Cause it was like, okay, we're going to make another season, um, you know, uh, during this pandemic, but also it's going to be, uh, asterisk 14 episodes, you know, it's like, yeah. Oh God, you know, like I was, I, I, I wasn't anticipating that, which is, almost twice the amount of episodes that had already previously existed for for uh you know for the series so um we really yeah, had to figure out how we were going to do this and other shows had been filming already and and the 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 rv model uh w- was really working and and that was wild i mean you know we were traveling the country you know in this rv going like literally on journeys from la to charlotte you know and just like going all the way around and back again, did it multiple times, but you know, it really was the safest way to do it. Cause I think for us, it was like safety was first. Like we definitely wanted to not put anyone in harm's way and wanted, you know, safety to be the number one con- primary concern. But the number two on the list was that we didn't want to sacrifice the quality of the show in any way. So if we could do both, um, then we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Then, let, then, then let's do this because yeah. we didn't want to do like Zoom interviews or like change the look of the show in any way. We wanted to deliver the same show. And I'm grateful that, you know, um, A, you know, we, we've been able to maintain safe. No one's been, you know, no one's gotten sick. But at the same time, the show is the same show. And so that we're just super grateful for that. And that's because primarily we have a killer team and our team has just absolutely been amazing this year. Yeah. Uh, we've been able to expand the team a little bit because we have more episodes and yeah, everyone just has been firing on all cylinders for sure. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. Now, this isn't a crisis line. This isn't self-help. This is professional counseling done securely online. 
There's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room with traditional therapy ever again. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily. Visit betterhelp.com slash insight. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash insight and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they're recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. So the special offer for anybody listening to Insight right now is 10% off your first month. Just go to betterhelp.com slash insight. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash insight. COVID aside, what do you guys wish that you knew after three seasons of filming that you wish you knew at the start? Oh, man. <laughs> so many, so many things. Uh, you know, it, well, like, especially yeah. when you think of where we started, like we're starting with like the very start was with like Abdullah the Butcher and like Tony Atlas. <laughs> and, like, yeah. and so like, well, you know, one thing I do remember, like, like Tony Atlas was like our first interview. And that was like, as you can tell when you watch the Bruiser Brody episode, it's really intense. And that made me realize, like, you know, we're going down this road of bringing up stories from 30 years ago. And then you can tell that it's like some of them are like still very raw and still very like emotionally very present for definitely uh, for some people. Um, and But then, you know, we go to Abdul the Butcher and that was like our first experience of like being really worked by a wrestler you know <laughs> where we're constantly looking at each other like what are we like you know are we yeah. being worked or is this a shoot like what is going on you know well um, we were also really marky too like we, we were also were. like we were like pretty marky in the fact that like you know we were just legitimately scared of abdul the butcher but go on <laughs> <laughs> yeah no 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 yeah so like there's like those like now i would you know going hanging out with abdul the butcher would be great because i would have more confidence probably to like call him out on some stuff but uh, <laughs> <laughs> um but, yeah what's yeah. the episode or the interview that you got and you both looked at each other and went i can't believe this person said yes or i can't believe this person said this in the interview mm, there's been about 200 of them so i'm just trying yeah, to I know. through all of them um <laughs> Yeah, it's oh, there's man. been a couple. There's been a couple. Um, I think one of the like big we all need to put our hands on our chin here. Huh. Yeah, uh, I think. Uh, yeah. Um, God, there's been a lot. There's been yeah, a lot of those time, moments. Yeah, there's. There was I, a time I know when one, we got yeah. Earl Hebner for the Montreal Screwjob episode, and when he like through the energy it was a super weird when he like sat down, and then when he like he like started opening up to us about like what was on his mind. You know, he thought that we were going, we were Canadian, a Canadian crew coming down to America to assassinate him, to get revenge for the Montreal screw job. You know, and when he said it, it was just like, 
I remember all of us being like, holy shit, like, this is intense. You know, this guy really, you know, like, he's the one living in fear since the Montreal Screwjob to the point where he was going to, like, ask his, like, police officer friend to come and knock on our door. (laughs) And in case a bullet started flying through the door, his police officer friend was going to get shot before he would. He's going to put his friend in harm's way. Yeah, yeah, I I I think, yeah, I, I, yeah, to me that that was such a wild experience because it was like, you know, when we, like we said at the very beginning of this, you know, this interview about the Montreal Screwjob being a story that's been told so many times, that was a real big learning experience because like when that happened, that to me opened my eyes immediately that, wait a minute, like everyone, you know, Brett obviously always talks about being the victim of that story. You know, but now Brett's found a way to kind of work that again. And of course, he and Vince have worked that back into the storyline machine of wrestling and everything. But the real unresolved emotions on the Montreal Screwjob story is with Earl Hebner, a man who really is probably experienced the most trauma at the hands of that story. Because, you know, it's like he he does get scared when he goes into Canada. He does, you know, people do chant at everywhere he goes, you screwed Brett, you screwed Brett. And I think it does haunt him because he basically had to betray if you really think about it, he had to betray the trust of one of his friends that he's had for a long time for the sake of his job. Nobody wants yeah. to be in that position. That's yeah. awful. And I think that like when you really talk about the victims of that story, well, you know, Earl just gets passed over, you know, a lot. So that was eye-opening to me and of course Jim Cornette on that episode dropped, you know, the you know, the information about pitching the spot, you know, how okay, well how would we take the belt off Brett? Well, this is how based on this historical other inc- you know, um other incident from the 1920s you know and so then you're getting all this new information so that was really exciting but man there's been a lot of interviews where it's just like i can't believe you know like i i remember the tonga kid interview for jimmy snooko was one where i definitely felt that like you know and 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 making sure that what this person is telling me about this story we're not getting it crisscrossed like you know, going back over it many times because if what he's saying is true the implications are are quite massive um so that that was probably the one of the bigger you know examples for me personally but um yeah there's definitely a few on this upcoming season for sure too yeah well. we, we've also we've both had the opportunity to sit down with david benoit and right mm-hmm. yeah. yeah what a fascinating story he has and has had to live through for the last 14 years and like there were moments when i sat down with him i did that interview in Las Vegas with him, there were moments in that interview where like, I was trying to not cry because such a difficult story to hear. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, it was like, you know, when Jason and I put this show together uh, and season one had happened and, you know, we, 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 we had since talked about like around that time about doing that. This is a story like doing the Chris Benoit story um, for this show. Um, but we sort of needed to find like that sort of purpose because you don't want to exploit that tragedy just for the sake of your TV show. You need to find kind of the human element or find some sort of reason to to to, to go back and look at it. So I remember walking around StarCast, you know, Conrad's event. I think it was in Las Vegas uh, right after season one had come out. And I remember and David was there as a just, you know, attending the attending the event. And um, it's hard to not stop and be like, oh, I mean, you know, he looks like his dad, you know. And so that had a profound effect on me because I, I immediately started to think about what he must have gone through. You know, what 
what does he go? I mean, to be brave enough to like show up to this wrestling event and be like, I'm here, you know, and whatever. And and then it made me think about just like all of, you know, I'm, uh, you know, what terrible things people say online or all that stuff. And just really think about the, his experience and what he's had to, to endure. And I, that to me started to feel like, okay, that's a side of this that I, I think is worth exploring, you know, um, in, in that, you know, it's not the sins of the father and, you know, you've, you know, what has your experience been? And then that sort of unlocked this whole aspect, you know, with, uh, you know, Nancy's sister, Sandra and her experience, and then learning about the estrangement that the two had. And, and then, and then that, then it all started to kind of come together is that, okay, now there is kind of a purpose. And then of course, with folks like, uh, you know, Vicky Guerrero or even Chavo Guerrero Jr., to, you know, not being, being a part of the WWE for so long, not, not, being allowed to tell their stories and, and having to kind of keep it inside because it's just like one of the most taboo subjects in wrestling. Let's not make it taboo because I don't think that that's good. I don't think that's yeah. I don't think that that is good for uh, the sake of mental health and and grief. And so I it was kind of then it gave us that purpose. But but David, you know, I think his his you know being so brave because I think when he was in front of our camera. I think that was before he did the interview with you. If I, if I it remember was, correctly. yeah, I think mine got yeah. published was, before yeah. yours, but he I remember that. Yeah, you guys first. Yeah, it really seemed like to to Jason and I, you know, that it was one of the first times that he had ever talked about this. Not not just you know in front of a camera, yeah. um, and that was one of the more sobering moments for us because you know Chavo was there um, as a sense of support, and Sandra was there as a sense of support, and it was such an um, such an, um, an emotional experience for both of us because it's like now, you know, we're not just wrestling fans with cameras anymore. And this is a bigger thing. And, um, it, it uh, that episode in particular is such a powerful memory because it really feels like a unified front of so many people kind of coming together to support one another, to tell that story. And that was no more evident in that moment, you know, yeah. w w which we included in the episode where, you know, David breaks down and everyone kind of, you know, uh, comes around to support him. It's just, yeah. Yeah, that's definitely the heaviest experience I think Chase and I have had, like, yeah. in the interview process. Yeah, and show. it's one of the episodes we probably put the most, like, um, like amount of um, just yeah. focus on, you know. Because there was a period between season one and season two where we didn't know if season two was going to happen. And so we thought it was something that we wanted, We, we like, if we were going to do another season, that we could maybe use season one to help us get in the door to, like, start to try and tell that story. Um, but we got... Luckily, it worked out that way because we had time to, you know, start relationships. And, you know, we got to meet David um, like months before we shot his interview. Just we brought him into Toronto right. just so he could hang out with him for a weekend. And just, you know, we just wanted to show him we weren't like, you know, you know, I don't know, like people in suits just like making, you know, creating yeah. TV. It wasn't about that for us. It's like. It, it it was about having the people who were closest to that story and you know bringing them together and if we couldn't have done that then there wasn't really any point for us and yeah that. and we played goldeneye we played a bunch of goldeneye together that <laughs> was awesome. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i played uh i played top golf with david benoit before we did our interview so, oh, so there great. you go there you go <laughs> you don't have to name names here but is there somebody that you're working on for a future episode that you're chipping away at and hoping to finally get that yes from them well now that now that now that everything uh unless unless there's a pickup interview that we need to do that i'm not aware of <laughs> 
everything that we've shot for this season is is in the can. Well, finally. I mean, for all the future seasons, you're going to be in greenlit for. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, God, uh, I haven't gotten there yet. Um, okay, well, yes. Um, you know, um, this is maybe a, an interesting segue, but you know, so for um, this season, we're doing an episode about the uh, the steroid trials. Yeah. Um, you know, which is one of the more just like significant events outside the ring in, in all of wrestling in the wrestling world of the 90s um you know when when vince mcmahon was on trial um and and the, you know he was in, he was indicted by the government it's a crazy crazy story um we were able to interview you know vince's longtime attorney jerry mcdivitt which to us is kind of a new threshold of access because he technically is you know still uh you know a you know very much a part of the company in in, in, yeah, in yeah. some ways and and that to, that to us kind of i'm hoping is uh will allow us to interview uh more uh folks behind the scenes at wwe or other people who have stories to tell maybe stories that aren't necessarily related to wwe or their time at wwe but folks that could appear on our show yeah. um and tell their stories that to me is kind of the closest of that where it's like i think going forward like you know, um, it would be great. Like, for example, like the one that comes to mind is like, you know, Michael Hayes works at the WWE, yeah. but, you know, he was in, he was in the Freebirds, you know, and and the Freebirds has an incredible story. And it's yeah. like I could definitely see a dark side of the ring about the Freebirds. So if that's possible, that would be one that I'm yeah. I would I'm chipping away at for a future season. So there you go. Well, <laughs> guys, this is this is such a fascinating show. And it's been so fascinating diving into like what goes in to making these incredible shows. So again, congratulations on season three. And thank, thank you guys for spending some time with us today. Oh, of course. You. Thanks for having us. And I, yeah. I end every interview talking about gratitude. So before we wrap this up, we'll start with you, Evan. What are three things in your life that you're grateful for right now? Man. Uh, number one, like, uh, I'm super grateful, like, this, like for my parents. That, like my parents, like, encouraged all of my passions, you know, like growing up, like I think that I wouldn't probably be in this position to make the show without that. Like if it was wrestling, like my parents were like, you know, like, okay, like, you know, I'm like my dad got me to meet Stone Cold Steve Austin, went to the ends of the earth to make me to meet Steve Austin when I was a kid, you know, and always encouraged the things that I wanted to do, even though I may have dropped out of college or done these things. It was like, you know, like that sort of support is probably number one. Um, for this show, like I'm super grateful for our team, you know, like, our our team has put themselves i mean this is a pandemic going on they, they put themselves at risk you know to make this show um and just super grateful for that grateful that they they um did that you know and and um and also uh that every everyone has been safe i'm grateful yeah. for that and i'm grateful for the editors you know that work on the show this is all number two i'm looping this into number two <laughs> um and uh but just i just like a special shout out like our crew this this season in particular just like you know they're they're really the ones that um deserve everything for that so that's number one or that's number two number three uh i think is uh in the context of this show um uh i think uh the family members that we talk to and that's sure. that's there's a lot of them but i think the family members in in the fact that you know a lot of them Sometimes when they when when we put cameras in front of family members, they have nothing to, at face value, gain, so to speak, from revisiting these things that are so difficult, yeah, you yeah. know, and and so and so and so bad, you know. But I think that the fact that they trust us and allow us to to tell those stories and to 
to, to take these journeys. And then I think more times than not, definitely a majority of it, they find catharsis through that and that, that, that process and just to further just, you know, have discussion around things. I'm grateful for that because without yeah. that, our show wouldn't be what it is. Yeah, I love it. Jason, what about you? Mine are very similar, similar, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for, you know, all the, um, my, you know, most of my friends and family are healthy and that, you know, and also my parents always being so supportive of what I wanted to do. Like no one in my family has ever worked in the arts. They're you know, like construction workers and farmers. And so the <laughs> idea of, you know, when I started going down this path of filmmaking, um, I never got any like hesitation from my folks they always encouraged me to like follow my dreams and, and even when it was hobo with a shotgun yeah when it was hobo with a shotgun <laughs> and they would freak my mama when she would come to set like, <laughs> she was so like so supportive you know and still are you know they're you know we went to visit them last night my mom's trying to figure out how to get the herb abrams uwf show on, <laughs> on, you know uh um yeah and then also yeah super grateful for like our crew um and uh, the whole team for you know doing the show with us during the pandemic um you know keeping us in check and and you know yeah oh yeah yeah like we're you know the first two seasons were really really hard like and and like on evan and i because we were you know just so it was such a run and gun thing. And this year they have a lot, like we've been able to build a bigger team to like help us like even more. And so, yeah, super. It's forced for us to embrace like the idea of more help and like yes, to like embrace yeah. the idea of like, I think if there's a positive out of the pandemic, not just cut off your no, things you're sure. grateful for, but just like it, it's, it's like, <laughs> you know, th this idea that I think the, the circumstances around the pandemic have forced us to be more open to the idea of people coming in and helping and contributing in a way that's really shown us like, whoa, yeah. like, like, the, the, you know, I, and I, I, I'm really actually, if I could put a fourth one, really grateful for that. So, yeah, yeah, no, that's a, that's a big one for me. Um, that's helped me <clears> through, the, <laughs> you know, all, the, you know, the, just the, the stress of making the show and, you know, mm -hmm. during the pandemic and everything, I'm just, yeah, so grateful for them. And our editors this year are just so great. You know, they've been killing it. And, uh, like even, you know, we're, we're halfway through making the show right now, pretty much like we filmed all the interviews, but we, and we've, we're close to locking like eight episodes, but we still have another, you know, how many more do we have left to do? Or we, uh, we have six more left to do after more, yeah. this week. Yeah. 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 Man, so yeah. grateful yeah, for that. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, again, guys, thank you so much. Congratulations. I can't wait to see season three and then season four, five, six. And, I'll, you know, this ah. thing's going to go on forever, I think. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, thank you. Thanks again, guys. Thank you. You too. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Well, there we go, my friends. What a great chat with Evan and Jason. Huge thank you to them for taking the time to do this. And, and a big thank you to them for the magic that they've created with Dark Side of the Ring. And I also think that we should say thank you to Vice for greenlighting the show and for giving Evan and Jason a budget to make this thing. And, you know, just think, just think of all the amazing stories that haven't been told yet that we'll be able to see in future seasons. I mean, the possibilities are really endless 
I mean, not literally endless, but we could have this show for many, many, many more seasons. And I don't think anyone would complain about that. Take a screenshot. Let us know what stood out for you the most from this episode. Tag at Dark Side of the Ring. Tag at Chris Van Vliet. Tag at Evan Husney. Tag at Jason Eisner. Tag us all. Why not? And I'll leave you with this quote from Albert Einstein, which seems so fitting with how things have been this last year with COVID. Einstein famously said, life is like riding a bicycle. To keep your balance, you must keep moving. Mm. Be great. Be grateful, my friends. We will see you on the next one for some more insight.